Thanks for joining us for the special Mid-East Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mideast Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. With the global pandemic continuing to cause chaos around the world, Pastor J.D. surmises that the forthcoming vaccine could be a precursor to the mark of the beast. He begins by explaining how human DNA and demonic angel DNA was mixed in the book of Genesis. Perhaps this will happen again? Well, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D.'s Prophecy Update as shared on December 13th, 2020. For today's update, I want to answer the question of what's next, given the swiftness with which everything is happening in the world today. Now, the answer to the what's next question ultimately depends on one's answer to an all-important question concerning the person of Jesus Christ. For those who have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, what's next is the rapture. For those who don't, what's next is the seven-year tribulation. So, there you go. Let's pray. We'll close. Not so fast. I know that seems blunt, but it's the truth. And it's that simple. I hope not too simple. See, here's the thing. And I hate to, for lack of a better way of saying it, I hate to say it this way, but we all fall into one of two categories. Either we're saved or we're lost. That's it. That's what it all boils down to. That's what it all comes down to. And here's the thing. I was thinking about this this last week. Really, it's been on my heart for quite some time now, especially recently with everything that's happening. When I look at people, I don't see them as that nationality or this nationality, local or from the mainland, Republican or Democrat, left or right, conservative or liberal. I see them as either saved or lost. And when I do that, and when I see them like that, it changes everything in my heart towards them. See, people are not the enemy. But see, the enemy wants us to believe that people are the enemy. So what Satan has done successfully, might I add, is he has gotten us to fight one with another and do his dirty work for him 
and instead of Him. We wrestle not against flesh and blood people, but rather four entities the Apostle Paul lists there in Ephesians 6 in the demonic realm, wickedness in high places. It is a spiritual battle. And it is for the souls of man. And here's the thing, when the rapture happens, and the rapture will happen, (sighs) those that are left behind will enter into the last seven years of human history, which will be unspeakable in its horror. And they will face even death for Jesus Christ, if they refuse and reject the mark of the Antichrist. That's what happens. Those who do not accept Jesus Christ during the seven year tribulation, after the rapture, there is that possibility. We affectionately refer to them as tribulation saints. But those who do not come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ during the seven year tribulation, will spend eternity in hell. Would to God that we would see people in light of eternity, specifically where they will spend eternity. If they're saved, they spend eternity in heaven. If they're lost, they spend eternity in hell. That should make the hair on the back of our neck stand up. Well, at least for those of us that have hair still to stand up. That's chilling, isn't it? And rightfully so. And here's the thing. I truly believe with all my heart that the rapture of the church is closer than any of us, myself included, can even begin to realize. And if the rapture of the church is that close, and it is, then that means the seven-year tribulation is just about to start. We're on the cusp of the commencement of the seven-year tribulation subsequent to the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ. Now, if you'll kindly allow me to I want to explain from Scripture as simply and clearly as I possibly can the reasons as to why it is that we are absolutely that close. And in order to do that, I need to start with what I would argue is one of the first and most important prophecies in all of the Bible, and it's found in the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verse 15. Here, God has already pronounced His curse on Adam and Eve, and He's going to turn His attention to the serpent, Satan, and pronounce a curse on Satan. And that's what we have here in this verse, and it is so packed with so much. So we're going to try our best to unpack it. God says, verse 15, Genesis 3, and I will put enmity between you, the serpent, and the woman, and between your seed, hang on to that, 
and her seed. Wait, what? Women don't have seeds. Ah, that's the virgin birth. It is a prophecy about the coming Savior of the world that will be born of a virgin, because it's not the seed of the woman, it's the egg that is fertilized by the seed of the man. That's the virgin birth. Now he's declaring this curse to Satan, and he says to him, he, speaking of Jesus, shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. I believe that speaks of the crucifixion. But then at the resurrection, Satan defeats once and for all, Satan crushes his head, the head of the snake, if you will. Now, I want to draw your attention to the often overlooked mention of the seed of the serpent. Now, we usually, and rightfully so, focus on the seed of the woman because it's the virgin birth. It's been affectionately referred to as the proto-evangelicum, the first mention of the gospel, the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. But often overlooked is this mention of Satan's seed. What's up with that? Well, I think we would do well to look at this, because it's going to be germane to our understanding of what the Lord has put on my heart to share with you today. It speaks to how Satan, throughout human history, has sought to corrupt the human DNA with what seems to be his seed, as it were. Were Satan to do this, think about this, he would in effect corrupt man's DNA, which would mean that it was no longer human. Stay with me. Thus, if man's DNA is no longer human, then man can no longer be redeemed. This by virtue of the fact that Jesus came as fully God and fully man, human, to redeem man. So if mankind's DNA is not human, then it's outside the scope of redemption. That's the why behind the what. Okay, so now the question becomes one of whether or not we have any scriptural evidence of this seed of Satan corrupting the human DNA. And the answer is an astounding yes. And we need look no further than to the book of Genesis again, this time the sixth chapter. I want to read verses one through four. When human beings began to increase in number on the earth, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful, and they married any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, 
My spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal. Their days will be a hundred and twenty years. Verse 4, listen. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them. They were the heroes, mighty giants of old, men of renown. You'll forgive the frankness with which I say this, but these are demons that have sexual intercourse with women, human women, and bore children from them, and in so doing corrupted the human DNA which was Satan's purpose from the very beginning, for the aforementioned reasons. It was because the human DNA was corrupted that God destroyed the earth with a flood in the days of Noah. Let's go to Genesis 6, beginning in verse 8. I'll read through to verse 12. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, This is the genealogy of Noah, genetics, genome of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect. That word perfect does not mean Noah was perfect. No one's perfect. (laughs) Jesus was the only one that was perfect. This word perfect, speaking of Noah, carries with it the idea of intact. In other words, Noah's genetics, Noah's genes, genome, was intact humanly. That's what that means. In his generations, again, the root word is genes, generations, genetics, generationally. Noah walked with God, and verse 10, Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed It was corrupt, for all flesh, humankind, had corrupted their way on the earth. We have another question. The question now is, what does this have to do with us today? I'm so glad you asked. Thankfully, Jesus Himself provides the answer in a prophecy that's recorded in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24, verse 37. Jesus says, As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Now, there are many parallels between Noah's day and our day, but I believe none are as prophetically significant as the corruption of man's DNA in our day. And here's why. If the world today 
is like Noah's day, and it is, then Satan would need to have his DNA corrupting seed at the ready. And he does. How? Oh, by way of the DNA corrupting seed in a yet future vaccine. I say yet future because the vaccine that's being rolled out now cannot yet be the mark of the beast that's foretold of in the book of Revelation. And here's why. The reason it cannot yet be the mark of the beast is because according to Bible prophecy, the Antichrist will demand worship and force all to take his mark on their forehead or forehand, sealing their fate, dooming them and damning them for all eternity. Are you connecting those dots? Why? Because their DNA is no longer human. They cannot be redeemed. They are now damned. And this is exactly what Satan is wanting to accomplish, and he will accomplish it in large measure in the tribulation. Now, there are many passages of Scripture that speak prophetically to this. Daniel 9.27, 2 Thessalonians 2, and particularly Revelation chapter 13, verses 16 and 17. What's interesting about Revelation 13, 16 and 17 is that we're told the mark will be forced and coerced. That's, that's key, that's significant. And the reason I mention that and emphasize that is because I would suggest that said forcing and coercing is already beginning to happen. I asked this question more than once. I think the last time I did was last week. Probably every week I asked this question, so I might as well ask it again this week. Don't you find it interesting that nobody is like standing in line to get this vaccine? In fact, the opposite is true. What blankets my news feed is, I'm sure, the same thing that blankets your news feed. Uh, oh, <laughs> they have a, a word for it, a phrase for it. I don't know if you realize this or not, but you know what those of us who have no intentions of taking this vaccine are called? Well, it, it, right now it's being called vaccine hesitancy. Hesitancy, that's kind of an understatement. <laughs> Another uh, label put on us is anti-vaxxers. No, you're one of them. Yeah. I'm sorry, I got a little bit carried away on that. Perhaps this is as good of a time as any to mention that, speaking for myself personally, I will never take this vaccine. Now please know that I would never take the posture of telling you what to do, but I will never take this vaccine. Now I am keenly aware that there are those who will have their very livelihood threatened if they don't take this vaccine. 
And one of the most often asked questions we get is, if I do take the vaccine, have I taken the mark of the beast? And I cannot say this clear enough, you have not. It is not yet the mark of the beast. So, and, and oh by the way, if you're born again of the Spirit of God, you are sealed. It's a done deal, kind of rhymes. Seal the deal. <laughs> yeah, I like that. It's uh, anyway, sorry. But let's get back to our question. Wouldn't, wouldn't it stand to reason that if this virus, which I believe there is a virus, but oh, uh, parenthetically, uh, forgive me if I'm discombobulated here. <laughs> here, <laughs> you always are. Okay. Um, but the CDC, I don't know if you know this or not, the CDC changed their definition of what a pandemic is prior to this. <laughs> There's no pandemic. There's no pandemic. Is there a virus? I believe there is a virus. But this brings up another question. Bear with me. I mean, is it just me, or has the flu virus completely vanished? Okay, it's not just me then. Isn't that interesting? What a miracle. We have eradicated the influenza virus. Wow! Well, then why do I still need to take a flu shot? Oh. Okay, so let's get back to our question. It's a good question, isn't it? Wouldn't you think that people would be clamoring for, standing in line for, begging for this vaccine? They're not. They're having to be convinced, persuaded. There's a hesitancy. In fact, some of the statistics, you can't believe I'm getting to the point where I just, I can't believe anything anymore. The only thing I can believe is God's Word. That, that's the truth. That's the only truth. But why pray tell if this virus was as deadly as we're being told it is? It's a lie. But why is it then that they would have to convince the masses to take the vaccine. I happened upon this screenshot this last week, thought it was interesting. It shows former presidents Clinton, Bush, and Obama, all of whom are offering to get vaccinated on TV. Really? Why? Oh, because we want to show you that it's safe. Okay. Listen, I'm, I've never been the sharpest knife in the kitchen drawer, <laughs> but come on. Are you kidding me? Do you think I'm that stupid? Thanks for joining us for this special Mideast Prophecy Update edition of In Spirit and Truth. We understand how important it is to know what God's Word says, especially in our world today. 
All around us, we see violence and despair running seemingly unchecked. We do what we can to alleviate these crises we encounter, but all the while, we know evil is waiting right around the corner. The Bible tells us that Jesus will return one day and finally wipe the enemy's influence from the face of the earth forever. This event is closer than we may think, and it's important to know what to expect. The prophecies we read in the Bible can be confusing, but they do provide us with clues as to what we'll see unfolding in our world as we near the return of our King. Each week in the Mideast Prophecy Update, Pastor J.D. takes a look at the current events happening around the globe and holds them up to the lens of God's Word. He shares what God reveals to him with you each week. This information is not meant to scare you, but rather to inspire you to take the gospel message out into the world. Every person needs to have the chance to meet Jesus before he returns and to know what his love and grace can do for them. These Mideast Prophecy Updates are available to you on our YouTube channel as well or through our mobile app. Visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com to find links to both. Thanks for listening today and be sure to join us for the next update right here on In Spirit and Truth.